0: Good morning and welcome back to High Point Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Always great to be with you here each week, especially if this is your first time. I want to just call uh, attention to you and make sure that you know that this is a great church for you to connect with uh, online, but also in person. And uh, you're going to hear more about some in-person services uh, coming up and some great opportunities to connect here at High Point. Before we get going, I just need a drink of my coffee real quick. Oh, Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I accidentally had my St. Louis Cardinals mug to drink from. It's so spiritual. If you didn't know, High Point is going to the ballpark on the 18th. And the Braves are playing the one and only St. Louis Cardinals. And I just wanted to call attention to that. I can can literally hear the boos coming through the keyboard right now and from some of the team helping video uh, right now. But guys, you'll hear more about some of these opportunities coming up. We like to have fun here at High Point. I like to talk a little trash. And in all seriousness, we're really looking forward to a fun outing to the ballpark. Get all the details. You can text XP Info to uh, 97000. With that, let's jump straight into the Bible today. We're in a series called Brick by Brick. Let me begin by talking to you about what you just might need today for a dry and thirsty soul. Do you feel dry on the inside? Does it just feel a little bit, um, just, do you feel thirsty, dry? And I talk about this because most of us, whether you find yourself extremely successful or find yourself going through a hard time, we've all experienced seasons and days and moments where Life just feels dry, feels empty. So let me ask you this. Park park that thought for one second. We're going to come back to it. Have you ever been around somebody that that you just, you love that time with them? And instead of looking for an exit in the conversation, you're, you're secretly thinking how you can get just a few extra more minutes. You just love your time with them. In fact, when you're with them, you feel refreshed, feels like something just got poured into your soul. What is that? What does that person have that sometimes you struggle to, to find in your own soul? Do you know what I'm talking about today? There's, this, there's a quality about them. Some of you have had a very successful year in the midst of the pandemic, um, and yet you have found yourself Even with success, you found yourself dry. You found that that success really, while good, it still didn't solve that that dryness of soul. If If you live in a neighborhood and you have like a neighborhood creek and the summertime hits and it hasn't rained in a while and that creek dries up, sometimes our soul can feel like that, can't it? And we're just longing for a good rain to come. And fill that thing again. <clears throat> many of you feel worn out. Many of you feel fatigued and tired. And you're just, you're, you're wondering when something is going to shift. And you're waiting and you're hoping, but you haven't seen anything really change on the inside. And many times, part of our challenge, part of our problem is that we're waiting for an external change to bring about internal refreshment. And it doesn't work that way. Today we're going to talk about a little something, a fruit of the Spirit that we see in the early church that you desperately need today. Whether you are 13, whether you are 35, whether you are 95, we all need this thing called joy. We need joy. Look at this in the Bible, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to dance around the Bible for a little bit, and then we're going to land in the book of Acts. You can follow along. If you've got your phone, you'll see the verses on the screen. When Jesus was being announced, before he's, or as he's being born, right, the angels appear to the shepherds, uh, and this is what they say. They, they say, don't be afraid, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I bring you good news that will cause, what? Great joy for all the people. Jesus' very birth is announced with a message, and that message is described as a message for you and me that will cause great joy. In Matthew 13, Jesus is describing what it looks like and feels like to exist in God's kingdom, that this is what his kingdom is like. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field, meaning when 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 they this man tasted God's kingdom, it was it was such a wrecking ball to him. It was so transformative that he went and sold every single thing that he had in order to buy this field because the, 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 the treasure that's in this field is is being compared to the treasure of God's kingdom. But it wasn't it didn't feel like a loss. To give up everything for the sake of God's kingdom. It was a joyful moment. Existing and living in God's kingdom. It's marked with joy. Luke 19.37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives. This is Jesus. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they'd seen. Jesus, in this passage, has just a few days left before his life is to end. And he's entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowd, they're laying down cloaks and they're cutting off palm branches. And they're literally clearing the way and putting things on the ground for Jesus to walk upon or sitting as he's sitting on the donkey. And they're joyfully praising him. If you've ever been in a crowd, we went on a mission trip when uh, we were still doing mission trips, we'll be getting back to that as a church. But in Mexico, one of the things that we would do and we building a brand new church for a pastor. We've done this several years. We help build a brand new building and then we invite the whole village to come out to it. And there's literally, there's confetti and there's balloons and there's food and music. and And yes, while some of you are gonna cringe at this, there are clowns and, I mean, everything you can think of that kind of feels like a carnival and a party. And I kid you not, I remember doing this the first time. And this was all done under the banner of, of Jesus and being a blessing to the village and the new building you have for church, the new facility. And I remember standing off to the side and seeing all the kids waving these, these little balloon popper things. And the confetti and the music. And I just was overwhelmed by emotion. Because there was a joyful praise taking place. Acts 8, 4-8. through 8, Those who had been scattered, the disciples, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So one of the disciples, his name is Philip. You're going to hear more about him in weeks to come. He decides to go to Samaria and he begins to preach there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy. In that city. People are getting set free. People are getting healed. People are encountering. The very presence. And spirit of God. It's changing them. And yes, while there was literal change, people you know, who, who couldn't walk are, are now walking. People who are, who are possessed by an evil spirit are set free. But there's also something that's happening on the inside. There's a joy that's coming to these cities and these communities and to these people. And this is what we see marking the church. We see this marking God's people We see this marking God's very presence. In fact, everywhere Jesus goes, joy follows. So there was great joy in that city. One of the things that we see with the church, the early church, the disciples, is that joy followed. Everywhere they went, joy marked their movements, it marked what they were doing. It marked who they were. When Jesus was preaching and teaching the kingdom of heaven, people came because it was a joyful occasion. When, when, when villages and cities are getting healed and set free, they're left with, with feeling joyful. Right? This, is what, this is what God's presence is to do in us and through us and it's also what you and I are to leave behind, is joy. Joy goes where Jesus goes. Where Jesus goes, joy goes. We see this connection throughout the scriptures. Joy goes wherever Jesus goes. That doesn't mean That there aren't hard conversations. That doesn't mean that people don't walk away. Like the rich young ruler. uh, Downcast. But in, in, in general. What we see. As the fruit of the spirit. At work. Is joy. And when you don't have joy. It's amazing. How quickly. Life feels dry. And empty. And like that. Dirt patch in the middle of the yard that's just getting baked by the sun and the, the ground is just cracking. This is how life can feel for some of us on the inside, isn't it? What is joy, though? we can sure talk about it I can preach the pain off the wall about it and you can walk away from this video of church and still not really know what on earth joy is because we don't do a very good job of talking about joy in the first place. we define joy as if it's just you being happy but happiness I can be happy. Five for five seconds and unhappy the next. I mean, it doesn't take much for a, a snap of the fingers to, to shift that emotional disposition of how you feel when you're happy or unhappy. Joy is not that. There is connection, okay? There are some similarities, but joy is not happiness. I love how John Piper defines it. John Piper is a pastor, a theologian. He, he he writes in a way that for many Christians they might be uncomfortable with this definition, but I actually love it. He says Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So joy, there is a measure of joy that's a feeling. It is both a condition of your soul, the state of your soul, and also a bit of of how you feel. But that feeling isn't based on the circumstances around you. It's based and rooted in the Holy Spirit at work on the inside, allowing your eyes to be open to the beauty of God around you. When you are able to see God and see God at work and see God in your situations and in your circumstances, when you see him, it produces joy, doesn't it? Uh, <clears throat> Tim Keller, another theologian, he says that the opposite of joy is not sadness. Opposite of sadness is happiness. Happiness and sadness are, are on you know, the, the same wavelength on opposite ends. The opposite of joy isn't sadness. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. And isn't that how we feel? When you just, that, that, that dry and weary place. When you don't really see God at work. Another way to just say it is that it feels hopeless. Where's God? Does God see me? Does he see my situation? Does he see what's going on? I've lost that joy. Now, we can talk about things you know when we talk about patience when we talk about kindness and goodness and, and and gentleness these are all fruits of the spirit so is joy you know what it's like when you have patience and when you have none i i hate to admit it right as a dad there have been <laughs> there've been many occasions where i have needed to pray and get on my knees for God to give me more patience. I've needed it. Self-control, kindness, goodness, all these. We understand what all of these things are, what they look like, what they feel like, but when it gets to joy, we have such a difficult time articulating it. And consequently, it just kind of slips into this feeling of just being happy. And we don't talk about it a whole lot. We don't preach about it very much. But I'm telling you right now, when you don't Have joy. The natural result is that your soul feels fatigued and tired and dry. And the church in 2021, the Western church, one of the greatest needs that we have is to recover what it looks like to be a joyful people. Think about people that you know that love life. They just have a zest and a zeal for it. Don't you just love to be around them? Don't you just love to get time with them? You just feel fantastic. What is it about them? It's that they they have the joy of the Lord. Sometimes they don't even know it. Where they just, they see the goodness of God, even though they may not even articulate it the way that, that a Christian might articulate it. They just see God's goodness at work. They see the bright side of things. It's not half empty. It's, it's, it's full. It's, it's the zeal and zest for life. And yet how often Christians have been noted and marked as people who just are the, or are, are kind of just the the, the the old guy wishing everybody would get off their lawn. And hear me, if you are an older person watching, I'm not making light of your age. I'm talking about what, can happen, right? That, that, that thing that can happen where your lawn is the greatest thing that has ever existed in the world. And don't you dare step on a blade of my grass. Right? There th- and the church gets known for what it's against more than what it's for. But we're called to be a joyful people. In fact, the joy of the Lord, David writes, is our strength the joy of the lord is my strength it's one of my favorite verses in the entire bible and when i feel weak one of the first things i need to ask myself is man am i have i lost the joy of the lord you can be you can be low on patience can't you You can be low or empty on self-control. You can be low on all the fruits of the Spirit, and you can be empty and low when it comes to joy. So the real question is, what do we do in order to see joy produced in our life? I could sit here and I can say, read your Bible. Yes, do that. Pray. Yes, also do that. But many of you have done those things without really seeing a, a true shift in the condition of your soul, you still feel tired and you still feel t- fatigued. And I'm going to continue to tell, I'm going to tell you the same things in this moment. Yes, read your Bible. Yes, pray. Yes, seek. Knock on the door. Continue to ask. Pursue God. Pursue God. Pursue God. But now I want to give you very three very specific things in this moment. Philippians chapter four. This is Paul writing. He says Uh, He writes to the church in Philippi, and he uses the word joy 16 times in a very small letter. Paul himself is writing this letter from prison. He's in jail, for goodness sakes. And he's telling the church to be joyful, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice For the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How on earth can you have a disposition that's calm and peaceful and gentle? It's because your eyes see God at work. In the same way that we already defined what joy is, it's a good feeling deep down in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit that allows you to see God at work. And when Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and he's writing literally from jail, how can somebody have joy in a moment like this? How can he possibly have joy and be exhorting this church to have joy? When he's chained to a wall, if you've had the the I say pleasure, if you've had the 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 privilege of being able to go to some of these New Testament sites and see what these prisons are like. I've, I've got to see one of the prisons and walk in one of the prisons that Paul was in. This isn't like a walk in the park. This isn't comfortable. These are horrendous conditions many, much of the time. And yet here he is able to write and pen a letter reminding the church to be joyful. How on earth is he able to do such a thing? Because he sees God at work. And so at the end of the letter, 16 times, he reminds them to rejoice. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, practice looking for God in your circumstances. I hate to admit this, but I'm going to. This does not come naturally to me. I, I, full transparency. I I desire this to be the natural just shift of my heart and soul, but I have to be extremely intentional in this area. Now, most people do, (laughs) right? But then there are also some people that just always just seem to be happy. And you're like, what is your problem? Right? Get get away from me. Okay? <laughs> you can't even relate. I'm kind of joking. But I have to work. I've got to put on those spir- the spiritual lens. I've got to, I have to seek God and intentionally look for God at work in my circumstances and situations because it's easy for me to see what's not working first. It's easy for me to see what, what what's not panning out. It's easy for me to see my lack far more easily than it is to see what God has given me and afforded me and how he's blessed me. I see how the enemy is at work far faster than I see how God is at work. But Paul is reminding this church, guys, hold fast to this, hold fast to joy. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice 16 times. Finally, brothers and sisters, here's how you can do this. Fix your eyes and remind yourself of what's good. Look for the good. Look for what's excellent. Look for what's praiseworthy. Look for what is lovely. Look for what is pure. Focus on those things. Celebrate those things. And it's amazing when you fix your eyes upon Jesus, upon God and the good things that God is doing. It's amazing how joy begins to just be produced in your soul. Why? Because your eyes are seeing God at work. I have to work at this. Your pastor has to be very intentional about this just like everybody else. Practice looking for God in your circumstances. Uh, Number two, I love what Jeremiah writes. We're moving back to the Old Testament here. People of God have been through a hard time. But God has promises in the scriptures and he has promises that he has extended to you and me. That are, uh, that are fulfilled ultimately through Jesus. But it's amazing to see how God communicates to his people, especially in moments where they're dry and empty and frayed and, 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 uh, and anxious and fearful. This is what he says. He says, they will be my people. Chapter 32, verse 38. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart. And action, So that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land. With all my heart and all my soul. I will rejoice in doing them good. Do you know that even God himself experiences joy? He is rejoicing in his willingness and ability and desire, might I add, to do good in your life. He makes an everlasting covenant and that is fulfilled through Jesus and will be ultimately realized when we see God face to face. But understand that that we need to be reminded in this moment to trust God. Some of you are sitting here and watching and what you need to do is have a moment where you put your trust ultimately in God again. Your faith needs to be renewed in Him. And and whether it's just the course of life and and the winds of, of the day that have just been beating against your soul, what you need is to take a deep breath and remind yourself who's in charge. God's in charge. And God delights and rejoices in doing good in your life. He loves to work on your behalf. Do you know that? Some of you are going through a hard time. And I want you to hear this. God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. You have not been abandoned. He is working on your behalf. And he rejoices in doing good for you. Choose to trust him again. We're going to have a moment here in just a few minutes where you can do that very thing. But before we do. I want to remind you of one other thing that it's worth doing. This, this, will, this was a log jam for joy in your life. And it's having unconfessed sin when you're just holding on to things. Holding on to sin patterns, addictions, uh, things that you know that you that you've done that you shouldn't have, that, that are just not uh, they're just not righteous. It's not God's best for you. And you've chosen something different. David, when he cheated on uh, when when he when he cheated with Bathsheba, there's a whole story in the Bible where where Jesus, Jesus where David he has an affair with a married woman. But he says in Psalm 51, he has this moment with God where he's contrite before Him, and he says, "Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. We sang songs about that in my church growing up. I will spare you me singing a song in this moment on camera. But there's something about just having a moment. David was known, not for, God didn't didn't define David as the guy who cheated on Bathsheba or with Bathsheba. David is known as a man after God's own heart. That is the disclaimer. That's the footnote that follows David. That's how God remembers David. That's how God defines him, stamps him, talks about him in the scriptures. Oh, David messed up. But what he had in this moment, he felt that there was separation between he and God. And the good news is if you put your faith in Jesus, you don't ever have to be worried about eternal separation from you or God, but make no mistake about it, when you continue to hold on to sin in your life and you just get comfortable with it, you allow it to exist, something happens regarding the intimacy that you have with God. And when there's no relationship, joy isn't going to be present. Because you're not going to see him at work. You're not going to see him, period. Sin does that for us. It creates separation relationally between you and God. And so what do we do? We confess it to him. God, forgive me. God, I'm giving this to you. I turn from it. I give you my everything. Let this be a regular pursuit of your heart to confess your sin and give it to God. I'm telling you right now, we begin to cultivate those three things in your life. Intentionally, Intentionally practice looking for God in your circumstances. Make a deliberate choice to trust Him again. And confess any sin in your life that you know does not honor Him. And it's amazing what you'll feel on the inside that good feeling deep down in your soul, produced by the Holy Spirit, that allows you to see God in the Word and in the world. This is what we desire, this is what we want. I believe God has it for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in this moment that you are, you are a God who, everywhere Jesus goes, joy goes. Everywhere Jesus in his presence is, joy follows. Lord, if, if, if your presence has moved in our hearts, God, we know that joy can be produced here. But sometimes we have these moments, God, where we just, we feel dry and thirsty. We feel empty on the inside. And today, by the power of the Spirit, I'm asking that you would begin a fresh work in our hearts and produce joy, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. If you're sitting and watching today and you need to just you need to make a decision to trust God again, then just right where you are, say, Jesus, I choose to trust you. My life is in the palm of your hands. And you have absolute control. Today I choose to trust you. And if you're sitting here and you're watching. And and you know there's just. There are things you've been holding on to. And you've got to give them over to God. Literally just say Jesus. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. You took my sin. Upon your shoulders. You took that. You took it from me. And you've given me freedom. God far be it from me to continue hanging on. And continue holding on to things that that you died for. Today, I confess my sin to you. And just name it. Just give it to him. Acknowledge what it is and say, Jesus, I'm giving you this. I turn from it now. Give me strength. Work in my soul. Help me to live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a deep breath. Literally, take a deep breath because when we we live this out, it's amazing. It's like the weight just comes off our shoulders, doesn't it? The weight comes off and the joy of the Lord begins to fill your soul. That's good news today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look for Him in your situations and your circumstances. Be intentional about it. Let's fight to have joy. Amen. See you next week right here. In fact, you will get to see not just me. In fact, you may not even see me next week. What who you will get to see is the one and only Amy King bringing the fire on camera next Sunday. It's going to be great. See you right here.
1: Thank you, Pastor Andy, for that great message, talking about joy. It's so important to keep our eyes fixed on God and keep our minds set on God. So before we leave today, we've got a few quick announcements for you. Miriam, why don't you take it away? On June 18th, um, High Point Church, we're all going to be going to the Braves game. (laughs) Baseball, okay. game. It's gonna be my first baseball game. Oh my ever. gosh, that's exciting! I'm excited. Wow! Um, so I'm gonna get hot dogs, popcorn, sing "Take Me Out to the Ball nachos. Game." I'm gonna do it all. I got good nachos. So join us, June eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Text HP Info at ninety-seven thousand and click on events mm-hmm. so that you can reserve your spot to you know, watch the game with us at High High Point Church. That sounds so much fun. Also, we have our next in-person service on June 27th, and this is a special service because we will be doing our baby dedications. (laughs) So for all of you amazing families with young ones, especially with this past year being what it was, we haven't had one of these in a while. And so we are very excited to have a moment to celebrate families, to celebrate growth, and to dedicate these young ones to the Lord. So again, text HB Info to ninety-seven thousand to be able to register your child for baby dedications. And last thing, stay tuned. We've got a special announcement from Pastor Andy before we head out today. Sound good? Great, awesome. Have a, have a great day.
0: All right, High Point family. Here is our special announcement. Uh, June nineteenth, we have a special moment as a city and as a church to come together uh, on June 19th, called Juneteenth. Uh, Also, something that you may be familiar with is Emancipation Day. So, June 19th is generally uh, celebrated as the end of slavery uh, in the United States. But what many people don't know, and unfortunately, many weren't taught very well in school, is that even though slavery ended, it took nearly two years for many people and many slaves to hear the good news that they were free. And Juneteenth is the celebration of that freedom, specifically freedom for our black brothers and sisters. And so Juneteenth has become a holiday uh, filled with singing and dancing and food and festivity that celebrates freedom, specifically freedom for our brothers and sisters of color. And so our city of Kennesaw, for the first time ever, is having a Juneteenth celebration. And we are a part of it. We've been helping plan for it, pray for it. We're giving financially as a church for it. One of the reasons that, we, that we're involved and engaged in this conversation is because we believe in being a church in our city that is reconciled with one another. Right? We want to walk arm in arm uh, with people who do not look like me. And this is a significant and big moment. It's going to be uh, Juneteenth at 1st Baptist Kennesaw in literally uh, downtown Kennesaw. The police department is going to be there. Uh, the city council is going to be there. We've got the we've got the city, we've got churches, and we got people. But one of the things that we need to be able to do is volunteer and show up. So mark your calendars for June 19th to be part of this very special first, might I add, uh, celebration in the history of Kennesaw. It's going to be a special moment, and I want to invite you to be there. And if you want to serve at it, and be involved in a different capacity, text HP Info to ninety seven thousand. Click on events, and you can get connected in that way. Thanks so much. Can't wait to see you.